So it's all in Sunday. And I figured, I've kind of been here for a while. I've kind of done most jobs under the sun within the church. And I can kind of talk on all in. It's like, been there, done that, and I have the t-shirt. So, um, but what I've, what I've realized is that there's a secret in life, in, in the success of, in our life, that's actually underrated a lot. A lot of people don't talk about it, and that is serving. A lot of people don't talk about volunteering. A lot of people don't talk about serving in the house of God. We do it, and we know it's the right thing to do, but I don't hear many people talking about it often. And so when I started preparing for this message and kind of asking around and thinking about the different people and I thought of Bethany's story of, of how she started serving and I was like, oh my gosh, we need to be talking about this more. This is such an incredibly underrated secret to success in your life, whether it's in the church and outside the church, right? And so Tonight, I want to ignite something on the inside of you so that we can all take our serving to the next level. And Pastor Jurgen said it incredibly this morning. He said, you will find that the success of your life will be found in your, in your serving, that things will be ignited on the inside of you once you make that commitment to serve in the house of God. So tonight, the title of my message is Chain Reaction. All right, so I want to quickly illustrate a chain reaction. Wow, how is she going to do that? <laughs> okay, anyone here that serves on any of these teams, I need you to stand. A high team, prayer team, water baptism team, the foundations team, so you run one of the connect groups, it's for new Christians, pathways team, or kids team. And a lot of our kids team will actually be in kids church too, so granted. Uh, youth team also, can you stand? Okay. Take, just take a quick note how many people are standing here. How incredible is this? So I want to tell you a little story why you people are all standing. So there's a lady named Beth at Central Campus who invited to church a guy named Brad Jones. Incredible. He runs our youth down at Central Campus. Incredible man of God. Who then invited Nate and Kelsey Holmes. Come on who then invited another couple who unfortunately moved away, who then invited Alex and Tanae Klott. Okay, yes, amazing. All of these people here that are standing would fall under one of the teams that Alex Klott or Kelsey and Nate Holmes oversee in the church. Just to put that in perspective, because of one invitation from a lady named Beth that I don't even flipping know, <laughs> that most of you will never meet. We have all of these people here that are serving in a massive capacity and overseeing large par portions of our church and, and making sure people live the life that God has called them to. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? You guys can all be seated. This is what happens in the house of God. Incredible chain reactions. And, and it's amazing because you can have chain reactions in science. You can have chain reactions out in the world. You have the domino effect. You have the ripple effect. They talk about it in personal development. But the best thing is in the house of God is that we have God. We have chain reactions, which is going to happen anyways because people meet people and they talk, right? But in the house of God, we have the supernatural. We have, when, we have things happening where 
I, I hear a story from Rena Gulick the other day where Charlie's looking for some people um, for his business. And I'm sorry if I don't get the whole story sh straight, Rena. But praying and praying and praying, and God does something supernatural and brings a guy that they met from in, in their Pathways team, brings a guy into his business that they met and has brought the business to a whole new level. Things like this happen all across the house of God. Yes, we serve God, and we serve the house of God for God. But I'm telling you, on the other side of that serve is so much fruitfulness and chain reactions that happen all over the house of God, all over the place. You just ask one person. I literally just all today I was writing this message, and I just started asking people, how did you come to church? Where did you start serving? And the stories are endless, and they're going to be endless because that's how the kingdom works. That is how the kingdom works. And so... Serving is what will ignite this chain reaction in your life. I really believe that where you're serving has the people and the provision that are answers to your prayers. Listen, I would not be here or the person I am today had I not lifted my hand and said yes to cleaning and decorating the bathrooms. So my good friend Becky Heinrichs, who's good at everything she flipping does, comes to me one day, and I was one of her little disciples, and I wasn't doing much within the church, and I was new. I was newly saved, so I'm learning all this, so I wasn't opposed. I was just, like, this was all new to me, so I'm like, what do I do next? Where do I go? And she said, um, we have these bathrooms, and they look really ugly. We were meeting at the Boys and Girls Club. We had about 75 people in the church, and she said, we need someone to decorate the bathrooms, and I'm like, okay, sure. I'll decorate the bathrooms. So like her little disciple, you know, she went to the store and got everything and had it all decorated exactly how it should look every Sunday. She brought me in and she's like, this goes here, this goes here, make it perfect like this and do this every Sunday. And I'm like, okay, sounds great. Then, you know, I got asked to help serve in the DNA courses, which is now the Pathways in the Culture courses. And I was scared out of my mind to do that because I had to check in people that I didn't know. And I had to talk to people, which was really scary to me. And then I do that for a few years. And then they asked me to come and serve and run kids' church. And I'm like, I don't even like kids. What are you doing? <laughs> They're like, no, 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 just work with the adults. Okay, I can do that. Then we're down at Central Campus. And granted, we, I have to tell you, we've been in the church for 13 years. Ten of those was all served. I, I was not a paid staff member until three years ago. So all this is while happening, be, you know, serving. And then they asked us to be service leaders. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what to say. My husband can go up there and I can just stand there and look cute. So I just stood there <laughs> and looked at him. And then somehow they asked us to be campus pastors. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I said, no. I literally told our pastors, no. And here we are. And then I went on maternity leave and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to focus on the campus pastor thing. I'm going to take kids churches running really awesome now. And I'm going to raise up someone and they're going to oversee it. And I'm good. I'm going to take a step back. And then they asked me to oversee all the generations when I came back from maternity leave. So, and I, listen, I'm so not qualified for any of this. I do have a college degree. It's in advertising and communications, which is, has nothing to do with any of this. I can advertise Jesus really well, but I, I have to tell you that the, the theme throughout all 13 years is just staying planted, like I said, staying planted where I was at, being faithful to what I was called to, and saying yes to what I was asked to do.
and then letting myself be discipled. You know, it was really uncomfortable when Pastor Audrey Churchward came up to me. You need to hear this. Pastor Audrey Churchward came up to me when I was getting there early to serve to decorate the bathrooms and told me that I look like I had RBF, which is resting B face. So she told me I need to turn that frown upside down, girl. You're here to serve that Lord. You're here to be happy. You need to fix that face right now. Fix it up. Fix it up. Go decorate the bathroom. I'm like, well, I just got in a fight with my husband on the way here. So what do you expect? I expect you to be an example. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I'm telling you, Pastor Audrey, that speech has done me well. I've had to use it. Like last week I had to use it. Get in there, girl. Put a smile on your face. Be a leader. <laughs> so listen, we never graduate from serving as a Christian. We never graduate from serving as a Christian. And we're all meant to use the God-given gifts to build his kingdom. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We are all called in our gifts to build the house of God. Psalm 110.3 says, Your people shall be volunteers in your day of power. How many of you believe that this is the day of power? This is the day of power. And we are so incredibly blessed to be in a church that operates in that. And I really believe that if we can all grasp this concept of serving in the house of God and being volunteers, that we can experience the day of power. So I want to take a look at a man in the Bible. Why does it always have to be men? Just kidding. I love you, babe. They're amazing. Next time we'll preach about a woman. There's also amazing Mary birthed Jesus. None of this would happen without her. <laughs> okay, look at a man in the Bible named Nehemiah. Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah is one we should all read. And I've been, you know, every time I read the Bible, I get like the light bulbs are going off, light bulbs are going off. But when I read Nehemiah, I was so, um, there's so much there. There's so much there. Like, I could preach for another 30 minutes, and I only have 10 minutes left. I could preach for another 30 minutes about this man, this man, Nehemiah. I'm going to pull out a couple points of things he did and characteristics he had that will help us be who God's called us to be. So number one, title means nothing. It's not popular. Sorry, guys. So, sorry, not sorry. Nehemiah. Let me give you a little background. I'll give you the background of, of this man. So he was a cupbearer to the king, which means his job was nothing. Like he was supposed to taste the wine before the king tasted it to make sure it wasn't poisonous so that he would die and the king wouldn't die. Right. So Nehemiah didn't have a title. But one of his brothers came to him and told him that the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. He was so heartbroken about it, he felt called to fix the problem. So he went, asked for permission, 
prayed about it, first prayed about it to God, went and asked for permission from the king, got permission, and went and literally rebuilt the wall. That's, in a nutshell, my whole message. But there's incredible things to tell you about who he was and how he handled certain situations that will literally show up in your own life. It's like a parallel. So Nehemiah was a layman. He was a servant. Around here, people will come in. You'll see it all the time. Because, because our church is called to, and Pastor Jurgen and Leanne are called to help people who have come from ministry get healed, there are people be all over this church with a title. That people that come in as pastors, people uh, as ex-pastors, as people that had a position or a title somewhere, and they come in this church. The thing about our church is that we are committed to making sure people are discipled in the way that we feel called and that Pastor Jurgen feels called to create a culture here. And so just because someone comes here with a title, it actually doesn't mean that you're going to have that exact same title or position when you come into our church. And so what we look at is fruit. The Bible says, like my husband preached, a tree will be judged by its fruit. And so do we look for title? No, we look for fruit. Yes. We believe in the concept of be, do, have. A lot of people operate of, out of have, do, be. So you be, the, you be what the position calls for. You do what the position calls for, and you have the title of the position. And I can tell you that because my husband and I have been serving in this church, being pastors, years and years and years before we were ever called a pastor. But there had to be fruit so that we could be given a title of pastor. And still to this day, it's almost like, it's, it's not, we don't ever sit there and say, you have the final say because you're pa like the pastor. We never play the, card pa the pastor card. If we have to, we will. But it's not attractive, and we don't want people just saying, I, I could say that because I'm a pastor. Right. Titles yeah. don't mean anything. And I want to take a second here because oftentimes when we get asked to do something, we might say no or we might say I can't do that because it's not our calling, and we don't feel like it's the calling that God's given us. Yes, God will place gifts, desires, all of those things on the inside of us. That we, we were meant to, to go after the calling that God's given us on our life. But we're not meant to make that happen on our own. And we're not meant to say no because if someone else sees something on us that is in leadership, we're not meant to say no because God, God hasn't shown me that I'm supposed to do that. No, I can't do that because God showed me I'm not supposed to do that. Listen, when I was asked to clean the bathrooms, I wasn't sitting there going, no, I'm called to be a pastor. Now, at that point, I wouldn't even have thought I could want to be a pastor, but just saying, <laughs> just saying. And I'm telling you, Nehemiah, he actually, he didn't have a desire to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because he wanted to go take over that city and be in charge and become the governor. He actually had a heart for it. The Bible says that he wept in Nehemiah 1.4. He wept as soon as he heard the walls of his hometown were destroyed. He wept. He was burdened. He had a heart for it. And so all too often people won't start to serve because it's not in the area they think they're called to. In 1 Corinthians 12.15-20, 
I want to read the scripture because it talks about the body of Christ and how it's made up of all these different parts. And if one part's not operating how it's supposed to, then it affects the rest of the parts of the body. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, weird, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, each one in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? What if I tried to be like John Day? I mean, it'd be so cool for a day. But every part of the body has to function so that the body can move forward and function together. And if you have all these little body parts standing around being mad at each other because they don't get to be each other, then you have a whole hot mess of a dysfunctional body that looks ugly. Ugly. It looks ugly. It doesn't look unified. It doesn't look like something that's attractive. It doesn't look like something that's compelling. It just looks like a whole hot mess that actually the whole world would be totally disgusted by and not want to be in. You're flipping mad that you're not doing that? What the heck? I thought you just loved Jesus. Yeah. It ends with, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And all that to say, there are business people. There are volunteers. There are attenders. There's not yet saved. Everybody plays a different part. So it doesn't mean that everybody has to even be at the same level. We know that there are marketplace influencers. There are people that are called to full-time ministry. There are people that are called to be a full-time stay-at-home mom and crush it and build up the most incredible little children for the kingdom. We know that there are different types and different giftings and different callings, and we know that all of that makes up a body. And so I can speak into this because um, about five years into getting saved and realizing it wasn't as much of a hot mess as I thought I was, then I started to realize maybe I could do ministry. Maybe I could do this whole thing. And then I got a really, really big desire for it, like an unhealthy desire for it. And just to be transparent, I sat mad for a little while <laughs> that I wasn't. So everything I'm saying is, is what I've walked through. And it, it came to a point where I realized, so uh, let's see, at five years, I remember praying to God five years into this, God, I just want to have kids because it took a massive miracles to get pregnant, and that's a whole other story. Five years into it, I was like, God, I just want kids in ministry. And I'm like, I just want kids in ministry. I just want kids in ministry. And so I got pregnant, and we worked out the kid thing, and God gave us three incredible miracles. And then God said, well, you're not going to have ministry until 10 years. And I was like, and he literally spoke to me. It's one of the only times I've ever audibly heard God speak to me. And I was like, wow, God, five more years. It seemed like the rest of my life, <laughs> those five years. But if, if this all had happened, the, the calling to step into running kids' church and then the calling for the things that he had had came to me at that time, I would have ruined it. I would have completely destroyed it. It would have been the worst time if I had made it happen myself. It would, have, it, it would have destroyed me and probably a few other people and maybe my marriage, to be real honest. And so we have to remember that it's all about God's timing. All about God's timing. And all that to say, title means nothing. 
All right, number two, moving, oh my gosh, so quickly. <clears throat> prayer, number two, prayer is key. Prayer is key. So as soon as Nehemiah hears about the problem of the walls being torn down, he goes straight to prayer. In Nehemiah 1, 3 to 4, it says, they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem is also broke down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So before he, Nehemiah decides to do anything, he prays. He goes to God. Before any decisions are made, he goes to God and he fasts and he prays. I'm telling you, you will not be able to function in the ministry that God's given you without prayer. There's been so many times along my journey where I've had to go to prayer. And when I was asked to run the kids' church position, I instantly was like, in my spirit, I was like, I don't want to do that. But I went to God and I prayed about it and I had complete peace about it. So even if you're being asked to serve on a team where you don't have peace about it, go to God with it. Pray about it. He's going to answer you. Nehemiah knew he was not too good to confess sins and ask God for favor and help. And the Bible says to pray without ceasing. If you read through the book of Nehemiah, you will see this man prays. Like half of the book is him praying to God. And you read these beautiful prayers where he literally confesses sins. He's, he, he comes before the Lord and he gets, he, the Lord downloads. It's, it's beautiful. If you're in an area where you're even serving now, and you have questions, and you, you are wondering and confusion, go to God with it. He'll give you peace about it. He will speak to you. Pray before you make decisions. Pray for favor, and pray for your area. Come into your area. Come in to serve, being prayed up. I love it when I hear that the high team is praying before anyone shows up here. And they're praying for, for people that are walking through those doors to be impacted the minute they walk in this place. It's incredible what will happen if your team needs more people, pray. If you're looking for one specific type of person to help you do part of the job that you need help, pray. There's so many answers to prayer if we pray. Number three, rise above opposition. All right, so Nehemiah Goes to do the job, he prays to God, he prays to God, goes to do the job, gets confirmation, goes to make it happen, gathers the people, incredible leader, all of a sudden, he's got all those people building the wall, and then he has opposition, of course, because anytime you step out for God, there will be opposition. Anytime, you know, there will either be opposition from people around you, or there'll be opposition from the devil. And so we have to learn how to navigate through that. I'm telling you, when I first started getting really committed to God, I had friends. They are the Fab Four. We were all best friends. And they told me that we couldn't be friends anymore. Great. Thanks. See you later. There's going to be opposition because they just could not understand why I was giving my time, why I was sacrificing the things that I loved, which I didn't really love, but the things they thought I loved, um, to do this. And so in Nehemiah 4, 1 to 2, it said, when this guy heard... He, this is the bad guy, heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He was fur furious. Actually, let me give you the other version. Let me see what's up there. NIV. Let me give you the other version. It's better. He became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? 
Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these burned as they are? Five questions. He asked five questions. You'll have people all around you asking questions. Why are you doing this? How are you going to have the time? Where are you going to make time for that? How are you going to do that? Why are you doing that? What's with this church? What's with you? Why are you so different? These questions will be asked. And you, we, must learn to silence the naysayers. Cancel the naysayers. Then he planned against the opposition. So not only did he silence them, he planned against and he did not fear them. Nehemiah 4.13 says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He planned against the opposition, plan against the enemy. Know right now that the moment you walk out there and fill out an application, oh, the opposition's coming. Plan for it and listen to God. Do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And the whole reason we do this all anyways, because the Lord is great and awesome. Then he was willing to confront the opposition, Nehemiah 6, 5 to 8. And I'm, I know this is long scripture, but it's, you got to get the whole story. And you have to go read it. It's so powerful. 6, 5 to 8 says, Then the enemy sent his aid to me with the same message. So they had already come to him five times saying the same thing, trying to discourage him. Trying to even say, your wall's not going to work. You have holes in it. You're rebuilding the wall, but forget about it. It's not going to work. So he comes and says this. Nehemiah says this. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. So in the midst of fear, he tells the enemy, nothing you're saying is true. You're making it up in your head. I had so much opposition and and thank God, you know, my family and friends have all gone on board now and they see the fruit because you'll get to the point where they see the fruit and they want it. You'll get to the point where the opposition actually changes their mind because they see incredible fruit. And number four is be committed. They finished that wall in 52 days. Less than two months, the walls of Jerusalem, who's here going to Israel? Yeah, come on, we're gonna see it. It's no small thing. Because of their commitment, because of every step along the way to fight back against the enemy, because of their commitment, they finished that wall in 52 days. 52 days. That's nothing to build a wall. It takes 52 days to get a light bulb replaced in my house. <laughs> savage. So savage. Here's the deal. 
Nehemiah follow through with what God asked of him. I love you, babe. You're so amazing. Okay. But listen, the job's gonna get done. Here, here's the deal. The Lord is building his house and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You and I get to be a part of that. Does God want us to excel in our gifting and our calling and build us and grow us and, and, and catapult us into everything he has for us? Yes, yes, he does. But we get to do this. We get to have the honor and privilege of building his house and partnering with each other and with God to see the city of San Diego set free. We have the 78 building opening in March of next year. God's gonna provide the people to do that. There's no fear around that. God is going to provide the people. And what we get to do is partner with him to see what he has in store for this city. It is so incredible. And when we start to look at it from that point of view, rather than what can I get out of this? Because you're gonna get a lot out of it. I promise you one way or the other, whether it feels good or bad, you're gonna get a lot out of it. But the overriding perspective to think about is the honor that we get to see our friends and our family in the house of God, to see the city of San Diego set free, to see miracles breaking out all over the city, to see healings right before our eyes, to see the day of power come to pass right before our eyes in our lifetime, to see people that we thought were so lost that could never be saved. We get to witness that and be a part of that. And I just want to wrap tonight by giving everyone here the opportunity. If you've never committed your life to God, that's the first step. Because you can serve the house of God, but without a relationship with Jesus, it'll probably last like three days. And so, you know, we're, we are a church full of vision and passion and excitement. And, and, you know, people probably think about C3 and go, them over there, they're hooting and hollering all the time for Jesus. You know, all the naysayers out there. But we're a church full of Nehemiahs and Nehemiah-esses, Nehemiah-esses, that will literally be able to do so much more than we ever thought we could because we've committed ourselves to the house of God. And we'll not only see it in our own lives, we'll see it in other people's lives. And it will just continue to grow and continue. I can just see that God's doing something so powerful for our church. And I always know that in my head but there, there just comes a point where you see God doing so many supernatural things that you can't comprehend. And our church is in that place where, where you will literally get, get on a team, serve, make a new commitment to the team that you're currently serving on. And, and you know in your head that we have to serve a God of miracles. You know in your head that, that he can do all things, but it will literally shift. I see it shifting from a head to a heart thing and to where you won't even be able to understand because God is doing such powerful, almighty, and supernatural things in the people around you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.